Uh, so today it's going to be like a solo podcast because it was sort of my fault. I sort of got times messed up. We were supposed to record a podcast yesterday, didn't end up happening, and we need an upload for today, obviously Friday. So it's currently basically an hour and a half before I'm supposed to upload the podcast, and I thought I'd record a solo one quickly um, just so we get one out so then we can try and stick to three podcasts a week. Uh, I'm just going to do some Q&A questions and sort of go through some stuff. People have asked, for us, people have asked us on our story. Um, it's not the most exciting episode and I will try and keep it short and sweet so you actually listen through it and you don't get bored of my voice. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to jump straight into it really. Um, the first question someone has asked is what are, the hob- what are your hobbies other than running? Um, for me that's kind of a tricky one now because it's a bit boring like... I don't do any. I don't like to take part in any hobbies anymore, other than like just playing Xbox and stuff like that. Um, but I probably would just say like football, like watching football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's about it, really. I can't think of anything else. What I sort of do as a hobby now. Uh, I used to like swim, like play badminton, play football, uh, like table tennis and stuff like that. But not really anymore. Just sort of run and do Instagram and then watch football and play Xbox basically and that's Warzone as well uh, it's not even any exciting games really it's just one game but yeah so yeah quite boring no really exciting hobbies um, yeah next question is the worst shoe you've ever run in I'd actually have to look up the name for this so I'm going to look it up really quickly now but I'll basically just explain it it was a New Balance shoe and it was completely minimalistic Um and it basically gave me plantar fasciitis because of how minimalistic it was. Um, it was basically one of those what sort of like literally feels like a sock. And for whatever reason, I decided to do a long run in it. And I got plantar fasciitis from one run. Um, I can't find the name of the shoe. If anyone knows, I'm sure someone will have used it out there. Um, yeah, a horrible shoe. It was like a little blue. Probably like five, six years ago now anyway. But it was like a blue shoe. Um probably like a five millimeter stack height or something like that maybe even less yeah it was an awful shoe new balance can't exactly remember what it was called but yeah it was not nice um so i'll just put doping full stop i'm guessing that's the current opinion on doping i guess topic as well um the sport's kind of in a bit of a bad place like you see someone get banned like every other day Uh, i think it's just in a place where everyone's doping or microdosing or like just taking things what are legal and the line between legal and illegal sort of doesn't exist because there's so many supplements and stuff you can take what pretty much have the same effect as banned stuff and you'll never get caught because it's legal and also you can microdose again and you won't get caught because it's legal. Um, I don't have any answers on how to sort of prevent this or improve upon it because the like cheating is pretty foolproof at the minute with sort of like microdosing and taking the right things at the right time you're probably never going to get caught. So yeah, I, I really don't have any ideas of how that can get better at the minute. Um, maybe either loosen the rules or tighten them considerably where you basically can't take anything. But again, people's health come into play and people will still get exemptions for taking medication. And it probably won't go away because anyone in a position where they can like, know the sports doctors and stuff will probably get um, exemptions for taking medication like Thyroxin or something like that. Um Obviously, not everyone does it, and there is quite a lot of clean pros out there as well. But at the minute, it's just it completely ruining the sport, I think. And it's 
it's like blurs every single world record or every single performance because if it's too good they say the drugs cheats and no one can really have any celebrations like without it like being justifiable um because everyone just assumes everyone's on drugs or is cheating in some other way so yeah it's in a bad place i don't have a clue how it can get better at the minute and i hope someone does out there because it really needs to change um top 10 best session shoe slash racing flat so this is kind of a tricky one because i think session shoe and racing flat fall completely into different sides of the spectrum because for a session shoe you kind of want something that's a bit more supportive a bit more stack high less aggressive sort of basically keeps ticking over without you getting injured but also make sure you can run quick i'm not sure if i can name 10 so i'm probably going to try and name five of each five training shoes five racing flats what for me are currently like the best out there um so training wise at the minute i'd say the tempo next percent the Sacconi endorphin shift probably the nike turbo 2 the hoka rickon 2 um god this is quite tricky actually i think the night streak sevens are really solid shoe as well just to train in and then i'm gonna go for i guess from not it's not my personal opinion but the zoom fly 3 is apparently a really good shoe to train in i don't particularly like it but other people have found it quite helpful and quite good to train in and i think that's all and I've had to actually pause it here just so I could have a think. And I'd probably say the New Balance Fuel Cell Prism might be the fifth best training shoe. Or sort of in the top five anyway. Uh, racing flats is a bit easier. Um, I would say the Nike Next Percent is still by far the best racing flat. Um, you've got the Adidas Adizero Adios Pro, I want to say. Um, the Sacconi Endorphin Pro. Um, the Brooks Hyper. Hyperion Elite 2, I believe it's called. And then I'd probably say for 5k, I'm going to have to go with the On Cloud Boom, I think it's called. Um, it's a bit of a quicker shoe, a bit more aggressive. Um, other, obviously, on your honorable mentions would be the Fuel Cell RC Elite or something like that. Sorry if I'm butchering these names. I'm sure you can basically get what I'm saying off the sort of name or whatever I'm trying to say. Um, I'd probably say they're the top five from each or top six, whatever I said. Um, again, though, it's it's every shoe is different for every person. I know people like that A6 Meta Racer, um, where for me, I don't really see that as a super shoe because A6 can't actually get their runners to race in it because, you know, it's not good enough. Um, so they end up having to wear prototypes. I also would say the Hoka Rocket X and also the Carbon X. Probably more the Rock Rocket X is definitely a good racing shoe as well and probably is in the top five. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess I'll cover sort of mileage shoes as well, seeing as we're here. Uh, I'd definitely say the Hoka Clifton 7, the Hoka Arahi 3 or 2, whatever the newest model is, it really helps with pronation. I know we've got quite a lot of sticks saying, people saying that pronation doesn't matter. I think it does, obviously sort it out. Um, through strengthening first but also it's good to use a pair of shoes what also prevent it as well um other than that the hoka match three and i'd definitely say probably the brooks adrenaline and the Sacconian endorphin shift i'm not a big fan of nike's mileage shoes i know a lot of people enjoy wearing the pegasus 37s and the Vermeer 14s but i've just had a few problems with them and i much prefer the hoka um, predominantly hoker anyway so yeah moving away from shoes 
someone's just asked cross training question mark i don't know if this, this means cross training as in like biking weights and elliptical or cross country training i'm guessing they mean like biking and stuff like that um i don't really inc include cross training into my like schedule i only really do it if i'm recovering from an injury or like building back up my mileage uh, where i probably bike or swim um i do circuit some weights i'm not sure if you class that as cross training and also on the elliptical which is i don't know because i always call it a cross trainer but i'm guessing it's called an elliptical but yeah um i'd suggest doing that to sort of keep ticking over when you're maybe at the start of your season when you're trying to build up mileage gradually or when you're injured or recovering from an injury it's always glad good to sort of get that training intensity there without increasing impact and obviously cross training most of the time reduces impact especially with biking and swimming because really they're weightless and you're not really putting any impact in anywhere especially swimming it's great cardio um great for your aerobic system and also anaerobic as well as just you know it's just yeah getting an intensity in without actually having impact on your legs which i'm guessing most injuries come from from running anyway so yeah swimming's great for that um, running in Europe versus running in America. I don't know if you're talking about racing or if you're talking about actual running. I'd say definitely for racing, running in Europe is a lot better. Uh, obviously, you've got the most of the Diamond Leagues out here and just sort of like the gold standard races as well. Um, a much higher standard, I'd say. I guess this year it's a bit different because of what's happened. Um, but obviously, you have Monaco, you have Brussels. All the big races are sort of in Europe. And then, But then training-wise, I would probably say America has the edge. Uh, with Flagstaff, uh, Boulder, you've obviously got Seattle, you've got New Mexico, there's lots of places out there, and obviously Oregon as well. Um, Portland in Oregon, sorry, or Eugene, both of them, I guess. Um, they're both, obviously, pretty much the running capitals of the world. So I'd definitely say for training, America's better, but for racing, it's definitely Europe. Uh, linking on to that, someone said, what are your racing plans? I actually don't have a clue now because of COVID causing a lockdown through December, uh, until December. So I was meant to race uh, tomorrow, which is Saturday the 7th of November. Um, I'm supposed to do a cross-country race, but that got cancelled. And then I was supposed to do a 5k on the 22nd of November as well. And that was the same with Rory. We were both supposed to do those races. Um, obviously, uh, if you're not in the UK, we've gone into another lockdown for a month. So everything's been cancelled. I can't really see anything happen until the new year, whether that's a cross-country race, a track race, or a road race. I'm not too sure. Um, so I guess it's sort of still carry on training for that sort of 5-10k distance. Um, and as long as you've got a bit of strength there and a bit of grass training, you should be pretty prepared for 10k um, on cross or whatever whatever comes your way, really. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep on training the way I am, keeping a bit of decent mileage, I guess, and just sort of trying to build a bit of strength and then just... With a few weeks notice, I reckon you could get in some race shape just by doing maybe some speed focus stuff if it's like a 5k or whatever. Um, and next question actually is, should speed work be done all year round? Um, I, don't, I, I guess, it, again, it depends on what kind of person you are because if you're like me and don't really have much speed, I'd probably say yes because at the end of the day, you're not really going quick enough or like aggressive enough to actually cause any implications and there's different ways you can include speed whether that's hills or joe like grass sprints or strides or whatever um so i'd say yes purely based on the fact that you can do strides what don't really take much out of you and also hills which are lower impact so yes definitely speed work all year round um 
if we're talking about the intense speed work, I'd probably say build that in once you've sort of got your mileage up a bit as well, but purely because it's more of like an intense workout and you're likely to obviously leave you with doms a bit more and sort of break your muscles down a bit more. So I'd definitely say you want to be like sort of already within your training block when that happens because you want to make sure you're used to the, uh, I guess it's stimulus of the like muscles breaking down when you're training basically. Hopefully that makes sense. I would say try and do it all year round, some form of speed, whether that's strides or hills, but really the hard stuff maybe wait for a few mo- weeks or months once you've started fully training again. Um, in your opinion, what are the key things that separate superstar runners and the average runner? For me, that's probably time and dedication to the sport. Obviously, you've got, if you're a professional runner, most of the time that means you're a superstar runner. Um, you can put effort into your diet, put effort into your sleep, put more effort into your recovery, put more effort into your core. You just have more time in the day to do everything because it's all like 1% stuff. So say, for example, you're eating perfectly, you're doing core, you're stretching, you're recovering right. It just means that you can hit every session that bit harder and that bit better, as well as sort of handle more mileage and just really just get everything set. And obviously your mentality as well. You're going to be more confident within yourself if your training's going well. So I think that's probably the key difference. And also dedication, like making sure you stay disciplined with doing that stuff by trying to keep everything as optimal as possible. It's so easy to like, oh, I won't run today or I won't run as far and just keep a consistency. Or it's so easy to like just eat loads of rubbish on like a week just because you're like, oh, it won't matter that much or like go out drinking and stuff like that. And I think that's probably the main difference. It's just sort of keeping consistent with optimal training and just making sure you're staying on top of everything. Um I think anyone can be, you don't have to be extremely talented, you just have to work hard and do the right things, so that's probably it, and also the fact that a lot of people probably have coaches what are not really amazing and don't teach them the right things, and sort of they basically think they're doing the right thing when actually they're doing the complete opposite and just getting injured. So yeah, they're probably the key things, probably knowledge, consistency, and like dedication to the sport, and also time. Uh what mistakes did you make when starting out running um i'd probably say my diet at first i used to eat terribly i'm not sure if anyone's listened to a podcast before they sort of know how i eat already which is basically a lot of food but that's sort of what i have to now but i used to wake up before school and have like eight eight to ten weetabix with three tablespoons of sugar on full fat milk and then get to school and have a pizza like slice in the morning and then at lunch I'd have cheesy pasta and three or four cookies normally. Get home, either have Weetabix again with three tablespoons of sugar, have a full pack of Oreos, just stuff like that really. And then lots and lots of cheese all the time. Um, I sort of got away with it because of like running and obviously at that time I didn't really know much about like cholesterol and you know just like the internal side of performance. So I basically I was just I was thinking I'm not I'm not putting on any weight, so I'm fine. But now it's sort of there's a few problems that I have what I think are due to like sort of eating badly when I was younger and obviously it's never going to be fully right um, and also I think just training um, not knowing not educating myself enough about the sport and like training principles sooner like thresholds tempos just sort of what's so special about Hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health Shop now at Hero.co. Reading about what other coaches in that professional elite space were doing um, and also just getting coached by the wrong person 
and just doing the wrong training, overtraining on certain days, but also not doing enough mileage, but having too high intensity. Um, never really was a mix. What was worked well, um, not tapering properly before races was a big thing because I'd never raced well. Uh, it's quite a few things really, but just mainly it's the knowledge of being able to know what I'm doing wrong and stopping it basically, which took a long time to do, but now it seems to be on the right track anyway. So yeah, I'd, I'd say the biggest mistake is not having the knowledge whether that's my diet or also training. Um, that also links again to the next question. Someone's asked, all, always struggle with food, pre-race workout and post-race workout, what you guys go for. So I'd say pre-race, maybe not listen to me because I, again, have a few problems, which mean I have to eat a lot. So let's just say I've had a normal day. I'm not sure if anyone's heard what I eat in a normal day anyway, but I'll just cover like the four hours before a race. Three and a half hours before the race, I'd try and have some form of pasta, vegetables and fish or something, so like tuna. Um, probably like a normal portion size, maybe a bit less than a normal runner's portion size, but like a normal person's portion size. Um, just try and make sure I'm chewing it well and having water with it. And then two and a half hours before, I'll have two or three slices of bread with jam. And then two hours before, I'll have a beetroot shot. An hour and a half before, I'd have a banana and a coffee. And then 45 minutes to an hour before, I'd have three Jaffa cakes. And that's basically how I struggle with my blood sugar levels. So I'm trying to keep them high. Um, not many people will probably be able to handle that type of stuff on the stomach before a race, especially when you've had a full day of eating before that. Um, so yeah, just, just try and make sure your blood sugar levels are ma maintained and also make sure your energy levels with high carbs and some fats. So like, I guess like bananas are probably huge. Um, I don't know people like peanut butter, I like jam cause I'm allergic to peanuts, but like jam on toast, peanut butter on toast. Um, a lot of people like oatmeal or porridge cause it's like a slow release form of energy. Um, I have mine with honey again for blood sugar levels and then that's about it really. I have nothing really too fancy. It's just quite a lot what I have. Um, sometimes I have stomach problems with like stitch and stuff, but it's better than not having any energy. Uh, post, I'd definitely say you've got to have some form of carbs within 15 minutes um, because your adaptations from training are actually as good if you don't eat straight away. So again, take a banana to train in to have afterwards or maybe like protein shake or carbohydrate shake i don't know whatever you sort of feel comfortable with eating what's high in carbs um, bananas are definitely a good one for me and then within like 45 minutes try and have a larger meal with your fats your protein and carbohydrates in as well as making sure you've replenished all your water um i think it's like a liter of water for every kilogram of weight of loss or something like that um i don't really pay attention to that because i don't have a weighing scales but just make sure you drink enough water and just make sure you're staying on top of staying hydrated because that's again a very important thing uh, part of training um next question is how do you find the right weekly mileage so <sighs> i think the right weekly mileage is something what actually i don't think that's the case like with anyone like i don't think there's an optimum weekly mileage because you could be doing 100 miles of easy running and if you did 100 miles with 20 miles of hard running you probably break down so i'd say it's not optimal mileage it's more optimal training so you've got to make sure you're doing the workouts what like your tempos your thresholds i really don't think there is an optimal mileage for anyone um i'm trying to figure out a way to sort of expand on that question and sort of make make sort of use out of it um i guess just gradually increase the mileage and then 
you're going to get to a point where it's too hard but then again that could be your sessions intensity what's the problem so could you anyone could do lots and lots of mileage of easy running so um it's probably the mileage where your body doesn't break down while still being able to do two sessions a week at least of um or three sessions a week of like harder harder work and then if you if you feel too fatigued or if your body starts struggling and getting injured then i guess you know it's a bit too high or your sessions need to dial down a bit um, but it's probably never either an optimal mileage or an optimal session. It's probably a mixture of both. Um, one slightly distance away from running is what's your favourite McDonald's milkshake? I'm going to say oh, chocolate, maybe. I don't really know. I haven't had a McDonald's milkshake in ages. They never seem to be working. Um, probably chocolate or vanilla or banana or strawberry. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know. Um so question just come in who do you think will win in the MMA fight McCluthy or Nick Simmons I'm going to give that to Nick Simmons I think because he's a sort of a little gym lad now and then again in fact I'm not going to make a joke about McCluthy's drugs or anything so yeah I'll, I'd, say Nick, I'd say Nick Simmons um, he's quite a big guy he's got those fast twitch muscle fibres I wouldn't like to get on the wrong side of him um, next question best athlete of the year debate so if we're going off what World Athletics has said, I'd probably say it's either Cheptegei or Mondo Duplantis. On the main, on the men's side and on the women's side, I'd probably say it's got to be um, probably Laura Muir from a personal point of view. Um, but if I'm not actually being biased towards it, then I'd have to say, God. I don't know, maybe Bridget Koskai, um, or or Gidai, I'll probably say, for that 5k world record, and again, maybe Kip Yegon, she's been really dominant this year as well, so yeah, I'd probably say one of them, or Rojas in the long jump as well, she's been pretty dominant this year as well, so yeah, I'd, I'd say one of them, I know that's probably not settled anything, because there's quite a lot to pick for, to pick from there, but I guess it's that's the whole point of it being a competition and debate is you can't really decide. Um, one of them definitely, I'd say probably there's a few others like Gemma Riki and maybe Ball who are also up there as well. But yeah, one of them. Uh, so the next question is, and this will probably actually be the last question because it's quite a long one, is Tokyo predictions. So obviously I'd. I'd I know pretty sprints decently well, but I'll I'll just go from eight hundred up to the marathon, just for some time purposes as well as like I don't want to call like the men's two hundred meters because really I'd probably say Norman and Lyles. Oh, that actually okay. I'll go through the whole field. Um, so the men's one hundred first is probably honestly I feel like Michael Norman could win this. Andre de Grasse, Travon Bromel. Um, Noah Lyles uh, oh god this is tricky um, and also Zalan Hughes people like that um, I'm probably going to say Michael Norman first if he does it if not Noah Lyles first and then followed by some array of athletes containing DeGrasse, Bromel and Zalan Hughes um, there's obviously going to be a few more in there as well and probably I'm going to be completely wrong with that but yeah, probably one of them. And on the women's side, I reckon it's going to be Elaine Thompson. No, sorry, Shelley Ann Fraser-Price, uh, and then Dina Asher-Smith, and then probably Elaine Thompson in 
um, third. Um, 200, I think Michael Norman's probably got it again if he races it. If not, Noah Lyles comfortably. And then I'd like to say Adam Jamili and maybe... Um, I think that's pretty much it, actually, for the two. It's, it's uh, Maybe Zalan Hughes again, or maybe someone like Andre Degrasse again, probably. They're probably, again, the big names and the ones and two. I guess it's not different, but I really think if Michael Norman wants to do the 100, 200, 400, then he's more than capable of doing so if he wins the right race. On the women's side, I think Dean Asher-Smith will win. I don't think Shelley Ann Fraser-Price will do it, so that means I think Daphne Skippers would come second, and... Elaine Thompson will come third, probably. I'd probably say that's probably. Um, 200. 400 men's side. Michael Norman wins any day of the week. And then you probably have... Gardner, maybe Van Nieker, if he gets back in shape. And then, obviously, you've got, like, Ra Benjamin. Rye Benjamin, if he wants to do it again. Um, I wouldn't put it past Carson Woolholm. It depends how the, like, the, it falls with the 400 and 400 hurdles. Um, and then Cherry, you've got Cherry as well. There's quite a lot in the men's 400. There's always quite a lot of athletes who show up and run like 43 something, or around that low 44, which on the day is good enough to win. Um, the women's side will probably be, oh, if she's allowed to race, Nasser or Miluibo, definitely the top two. Um, and then it's really open, I think, because they're so far in front of everyone else. Um, I honestly couldn't, I couldn't call third. Uh, but definitely probably Nasser and, and Milleweaver first and second. Um, in the 400 hurdles, Carson Walholm first or Rye Benjamin first. And then Sambo would take probably the third spot, where, whichever way they come around. And then in the women's side of things, I'd probably say Sidney McLaughlin first, Dalila Mohammed second. And again, the same as sort of the men, the women's 400. Them two are just so far ahead of the rest it's hard to call third um i wouldn't put it past it being an american one two three though um i'm not too knowledgeable on my women's 400 meter hurdles um moving on to the 800 in the men's side i'd say my top three are probably donovan brazier bryce hopple and daniel roden bryce hopple is probably just going to carry on improving so he's going to be dangerous against brazier but i also think brazier is probably going to carry on improving as well, maybe to get towards challenging the world record in the next few years. I don't think he'll do it in Tokyo, but um, he'll probably be able to challenge it over the next few years, which is crazy because Radisha's world record is absolutely ridiculous. Um, the women's 800, I feel like I'd be wrong in saying it's not going to be Faith Kipfiegon who wins, but I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for Gemma Riki in that, so I feel like I'm going to say there's going to be an upset and Gemma Riki is going to win. Faith Kip Yegon second, and then oof, maybe probably AJ Wilson in third, or any of any way around for those medals. It's probably too close to call. Um, they're all really strong runners, and obviously all in shape. Um, and then for the men's fifteen, I'm gonna say Jakob first, Chariot second, Jake Whiteman third, and for the women's side, I'm gonna say. Hassan first, Laura Muir second, and Shelby Houlihan third, I'd probably say. Um, 5k, sorry I'm moving through this a bit quicker now, I must feel like I'm taking it. Also apologies if you can hear that annoying dog in the background. Um, anyway, so yeah, 5k, men's side, I would say 
Chepsky first, Bronix, no, Jakob Kiplimo second, and probably Borega or Ingebrigtsen third. Um, and on the women's side, I'd probably say Hassan first, Abiri second, and Gidai third. I don't feel like she's got a kick in her. Um, if Hassan doesn't do it, I would say Abiri first, Gidai second, and then Laura Waitman third. Um, and then for the 10k, Joshua Chepsigai first, Jakob Kiplimo second, and Ronix Kipruto third, and then Kajelksha fourth, and probably Mo Farah fifth or sixth behind Gebruet as well. Um, and then on the women's side, if Hassan does this as well, probably Hassan. Uh, in fact, no, probably Gidai first, Hassan second, and see, this is a tricky one. Um, it really depends who runs. If Ayana comes out of nowhere and runs, then I'd probably have to put her in the mix as well. So, yeah, I guess them. And then moving up into the marathon, probably what you've all been waiting for. The men's side, I would have to go with... Um, I want to say Kipchoge. My heart wants me to, but I, I feel like he might be past it a bit. Um, I'm going to say... Yeah, I'll say Kipchoge first, and then Bikili second, and Garamu third. And the women's, I'd say Bridget Koskai first. Um, let's go for Sarah Hall second. And then, I really don't have a clue, maybe maybe Katani. Um, I feel like saying Sarah Hall is probably a bit generous, considering the absolute mass of Ethiopians and Kenyans. Um, but I'd all, I'm always rooting for an underdog. Um, you've obviously got Timonish Dababa. You've got Chepin Gatich. You've got yeah. You've got you've got loads really. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I want to root for Sarah Hall to medal in there, just because of what she did in the London Marathon. Um, whether that happens, I don't know. Um, and I think that's finished all the questions off. There was one more where someone asked, "What is like the best underdog story you've heard?" And again, I'll probably go back to Sarah Hall coming from like a minute and 40 back in the marathon to get second um, in London. Or Callum Hawkins coming from so far behind. And I know he didn't get a medal, but yeah, coming from so far behind at the World Champs last year and then sadly finishing fourth. And if not that, maybe Jake Smith's recent half marathon performance where he ran 60-30. With, he was basically up with the Kenyans into the last lap. Um, so yeah, probably that. Um, sorry if this podcast has been a bit slow and a bit rubbish and I'm you probably none of you've got this far but if you have uh, thanks for listening and this probably it's not going to get any worse than this so I appreciate you staying by and listening um, stay tuned we'll be dropping some t-shirts soon as well as a few other things like ebooks maybe some coaching and yeah just quite a lot of stuff in the works so yeah thanks for listening guys